Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Today, we're joined by Chauncey Boothby of Chauncey Boothby Interiors. Over the years, she's cultivated an aesthetic that's classic yet contemporary. Her work has been featured in numerous publications, including House Beautiful, Domino, New England Home Magazine, and the Wall Street Journal. And in 2018, she was named a House Beautiful Next Wave Designer. Chauncey, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's so wonderful to be here. (laughs) It was really fun going over your portfolio. I think Liz and I both enjoyed um, just all your projects seem so happy. (laughs) Trying to make it so. Make cheerful spaces. (laughs) So tell us a little bit more about your background and what led you to interior design. Well, um, you know, I think I've been, had an interest in interior design my whole life. I had parents who were very interested in it. My dad was actually an art history major. And then eventually he got into real estate and he sold properties all up and down um, the main coast where I'm from. Um, so he was always coming home with antiques and stopping into little hole in the wall antique places all up and down the coast and it was always rotating artwork in our house and my mom was always redesigning our house i have a joke that every season she changes out the pillows and everything like that Um, but so growing (laughs) up it was just definitely part of who i was i have been an artist and throughout school and college, I was always interested in art. I actually majored in art history myself and decided for a short bit that I wanted to go into the auction world. So that's where I started as an intern in college and then subsequently for about a year worked at Christie's. It was a great way to enter into the workforce and work for such a big, wonderful company. And I think it was a really good segue. I I decided that I really wanted to be in interior design and it made it possible for me to switch over pretty quickly just because it's the same sort of clientele and uh, you know having a little bit of the administrative background it made it a seamless yeah I was able to be hired into an office that had very similar clients and practices that's so cool yeah Okay, so you you started in Maine. So you're originally mm-hmm. from Maine. Yes, you're one of my Maine. you're you're one of my soul sisters. I was also born in Maine. You were. Uh, mm-hmm. I was about? born in Bangor. My parents okay. are originally from Bar Harbor. Nice. So um, yeah, so we have a little summer place up there, or my parents do. Excuse mm-hmm. me. So I I love anyone from Maine because I'm like, oh hello, hello. Well, there's it's only like so a many little of. family. If you see a license plate <laughs> from Maine, you have to talk to them, right? Exactly, and yeah. especially being in the South where Liz and I are, mm-hmm. we don't see too many Maine license plates. So mm-hmm. I get a little excited. Yeah. So you ended up in New York, and so you worked at Christie's, which is so neat. Did you learn everything you could about antiques while you were there? I tried to. You know, it's a lot to learn. I actually interned in. And the antiquities department, I actually had a double major in art history and classics. I can't say that I'm putting the classics (laughs) major to good use right now with my knowledge of Latin and ancient Greek. But uh, so I worked in the Impressionist Modern Department and also the Antiquities Department when I was there as an intern, which was fascinating and learned so much. And then right out of college, I actually started working in the watch department just because, you know, I was eager to get a job and that was available. So a wonderful industry to be in. I really enjoyed it. I love the people that I worked with and learning about everything and having the vaults right there and seeing everything and meeting with clients. It was great. But I knew that I just knew that I wanted to get an interior design. I figured, Mm -hmm. why wait? Why, Why not just try? Has that made you gravitate to a certain style when you're out shopping? I have always had a love for antiques and vintage pieces. And I think it gives rooms character you know if everything's Mm -hmm. the one thing I hate is when you walk into a room and it feels like a showroom yeah so no offense to Ballard Design but if a client bought everything from Ballard Design then it would look like your catalog and it just wouldn't be be unique to the client or Mm -hmm. have any sort of personality so I love giving rooms layers and finding Mm -hmm. that odd piece that goes in the corner or some something or when clients have items that have been in their family for a while and maybe it just needs a little bit 
bit of a facelift or just reupholstering or something to just make it feel like them and fresh and new, but still give the space the character that it needs. What would you say is your like percent of old needed in a room? It doesn't necessarily have to be old itself, mm-hmm. but maybe like 25% of the room needs to have something special. It needs to feel, you know, there needs to be unique pieces in there. Yeah. So even if you have, you know, a, a neutral room where, you know, you have a client that embraces beige and, you know, uh, just bringing in a, a lot of layers character. and textures and uh, especially yeah. old pieces that might be slightly battered and <laughs> has that level of being loved. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We we talk a lot about patina and bringing yeah. it into a room and you know when it's lacking that history and depth and story even. So we talk a lot about that in here, which is always, <laughs> always fun because I don't think we've met a single person who's been like, oh no, just... Wrap up that showroom. Let's get in the trunk. Let's go. Let's go home. <laughs> yeah, but it takes a level of trust. You know, you have clients, especially if they've never worked with a designer before, and they don't know exactly what they want, but they know, you know, they love restoration hardware, and mm-hmm. they want all of that. You have to work with them and try and show them new pieces, but you can't all of a sudden just show them everything that's not what they're asking for. So it takes some time to slowly introduce each element and try and show them new things um and after time then you can you can have a room that's what you're proposing and not just exactly what they've asked for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it is a dance Wait. oh i'm sure i was gonna say what do you do when someone comes to you and they say exactly that so my look and my vibe is mm-hmm. restoration hardware and you're like you're like okay that's that's clean that's minimal that's yeah. And believe me, I mean, there are some items that are, there might be go-to pieces there that they have great oh, lighting I mean, and they have great sensibles and things. Yeah, no, but it, it's, it's, I listen. <laughs> yeah. I do a lot of listening mm-hmm. and I, I try to, with each room, show them something that they're asking for, mm-hmm. bring in one piece that says that's exactly what they asked for. And then the rest of the room, just try and inspire them with different pieces, different textures, different eccentric mix, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is a challenge. <laughs> and <laughs> after a while, when you work with a client, they start to trust you and just say, okay, you don't even have to tell me where any of this is from. I love the look of it. and it's. You, I find that listening to clients and really listening to what they're asking for, you don't have to give them exactly what they want. But as long as your ears are open and you're listening to what they're looking for, that you can find some solutions that make you both happy. Do you ever go back and like, if you find a piece after the fact and you're like, wait, this this piece is perfect for this family. Can, we need to just layer this in there and then like go back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll do. Oftentimes I do that. You know, if I go out shopping and I sometimes it's hard for me to go out shopping with a mission because inevitably, if I especially going to antique shops or consignment shops or anything like that, where you're just trying to be inspired by pieces, it's hard to be like, all right, I'm going for this particular item because chances are it's not going to be there. So if you walk in with an open mind and you say, oh, that's for that client, this is for this client, Mm -hmm. and you take pictures of everything and send them all to each client, they love the fact that you're finding things for them. And as long as I propose like, okay, well, we can use this in this room and to replace this piece that will actually work perfect, you know, to have a solution that this will work mm-hmm. perfectly in this other space. Um, I think they're happy to make changes. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question with that too. So I feel like I'm constantly doing this where mm-hmm. I go into an antique store again, open mind. I'm not searching for anything particular, just love shopping. Yeah. And you see something you love, but it's not, you know, like... Maybe the finish is a little off or maybe the hardware is bad or maybe it has a big scratch across the top and it's wood or something. So fixable. I'm not talking about Mm -hmm. like super. How often do you find something and it just it does need a little rehab sort of thing? How often would you say? I would say probably all the time. I mean, it's very rare (laughs) that I don't find like the perfect (laughs) thing that doesn't need to be tweaked in any way. Or if I do, it it costs a pretty penny. So if I'm trying to find that awesome budget friendly piece, Mm -hmm. then sometimes, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, we buy it and we get it touched up as needed. Or 
it's something that desperately needs to be reupholstered. Well, that's fun to do, and we can mm -hmm. reintroduce a, a, a fun fabric that we've been wanting to use for the room. So that's easy. And changing out hardware, unless it's you know a piece that really requires the right appropriate hardware. Mm -hmm. I love changing out hardware. I think it's always a fun fix for things, especially mm -hmm. if it's family pieces that you have and you're not sure if you're going to be able to make them work. Changing out hardware, maybe if it's in really bad shape, you paint it. Mm -hmm. You can always make things look new and fresh. Mm -hmm. And it's a good way to start with things that you already have, especially right now, given the lead time of That's everything. True. It's really nice to make, <laughs> make use of what you have. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I feel like that's definitely a tip for right now, too, yeah. for people with everything being so crazy. Yeah. It's either be patient or be creative. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Those are your two options. <laughs> I hope everyone listening yeah. hears <laughs> We're all in the same boat. That's for sure. Yeah. Nobody has anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. I always worry, though. That's what, like, I, you know, you go into a store and you're like, okay, can I make this better? Or am I just being Mrs. like DIY and I don't want to be her either? Yeah, I no, I think there's yeah. a balance. You know, there's definitely like you you don't want it to look like you you upholstered it yourself and right. I mean unless you have wonderful skills and if that's the case then fantastic. But <laughs> I do, you don't I want do it not. to look like you spray you painted it and upholstered yourself and screaming DIY. But if it's something <laughs> that can can be done yeah. and it's easy right. to do, you know, I, I think it's de definitely go for it. Yeah. Add a staple here, a staple yeah. there, done. <laughs> totally reupholstered, mm -hmm. Darren. <laughs> I always love the seats that you can just take off and you know yes. I have with a staple gun and then put back on. That's easy. That's my level of reupholstery. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. I've done a slip seat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even round slip seats can be tricky, yeah. though. They can, so. yeah. <laughs> so I love the children's rooms that you have featured on your portfolio on your Thank site. You. And I see that that's where you really take your pared down traditional look and add a twist of humor and lightness. It just feels so wonderful. What inspires you um, and what do you think about when you're doing a room for kids? Well, they're some of my favorite rooms to do. I love doing kids room so when a client approaches me with young children it's always something in the back of my mind where I'm like yes I get to do more I think it's just a special place the children's rooms and it's where their imaginations grow and where they have all of their their special pieces so I always try to create whimsical spaces but some you know not where it's too cutesy that in a couple of years you're gonna have to change out the whole thing what I like to do is add a lot of layers and elements that can evolve over time that can be accessories can be swapped out and things like that. So it can really grow with the child. Yeah. But the I feel like the accessories that you find in the artwork is really fun and is it's almost like a stuffed whale on the wall where it feels like it's a mm -hmm. really traditional motif, but just really played up for kids. And it's really it's really nice. I can tell that those Thank are some you. of your favorite rooms. They're really fun. Yes, and I definitely do a deep dive when it comes to accessories in kids' rooms. I get my imagination working, and I have something in my head, and it takes a very long time to me to <laughs> find the actual things. that. So a lot of times I end up having to create it, whether it's doing mm -hmm. custom fabrics or custom. I did a room where it was a restoration hardware bed, one of their sort of tented platform bed, and instead of using the tent that went with it, I actually had my workroom custom make a tent where we used a wonderful striped fabric. And the vendor of the fabric is able to scale down the stripes. I had seen that she had done it before with wallpaper where she scaled it down. So we scaled down the pattern and made a, a little doll bed to match it. And that was just so fun to find the people that can actually make up what I've dreamt up in my head because there's a lot going on in there. So when I can find somebody who can do it for me, it's, it just That room it so is special. so sweet. And I love that I didn't even realize that you scaled down the pattern for the little doll bed. That's so special. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's Otherwise, it would be a big fat stripe right. on that tiny right. little oh. doll bed. So I can't say that I had the doll bed custom made. It actually was Mary Mary, the kids company, had uh -huh. just perfectly the exact same bed that we used. So, you know, sometimes I find things and it just works out um, so easily like that. But just to find um, Autoline was the fabric vendor who was able to scale it down. So it would be fun to work with her again on doing wallpapers for dollhouses or things. I have two little boys, so it's always fun to do a girl's <laughs> room and dream up things like that. Get yeah. your fix. With yeah. uh, kids' rooms, and we talk a lot about this, and but I, you also have a lot 
there's a softness to it. And what kind of rugs are you often using in there? Because you know they're going to be probably a little more wear and tear in that space. Yes. Oftentimes, I will certainly try and use wool wherever possible just because it's soft and really durable. It's easy to clean. Or, some, you know, if it's a room where it needs to be cut to the space, you know, it's a kind of a funky size, I'll use a broadloom rug that's very durable. And something that doesn't scream kids room because a rug mm-hmm. is an investment and it's enough. It's a cheap and cheerful area rug. It's something that you want to be there for a long time. So I always try to find rugs that work with the scheme, but that can grow with the kids and hide there. <laughs> <laughs> hide the dirt. That's really what I was asking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> um, but, you know, there are wonderful sisals out there that are really soft that I'll use for kids rooms and mm-hmm. My actually, my youngest has a sisal in his room that I have recycled from our old apartment in New York City, and it landed in his bedroom out here, and it works perfectly. So, and it, it, I will say it's not the softest thing, but it's not like he spends all of his time playing on the floor. So, oh, we cool. have other right. areas to play too. So. Right, right, yeah. And the bathroom, your kids' bathroom was <laughs> like those are also still so playful. And you've done bright color cabinets and even the tile, the pink and white striped tile with the green vanity. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And your little custom, I assume they're custom, excuse me, lampshades too on the sconces. Those were oh custom, my. yeah. That I was a fun room to do because so I was sort of, you know, it, I had to go with the room next to it and it all, mm-hmm. as far as the scheme went, it all matched and was cute, but I didn't want it to read as a, a little tiny girl's room that couldn't evolve with the child. So I, in my, the back of my head, I'm like, can a tween use this bathroom? Can, you know, a, a teenager, would they be cool with this? And so I, I worked out a scheme where I felt like it could really grow with her. Like, I'd love to use that bathroom. So. Oh my gosh, it's so cheerful. You yeah. even have um, on the green vanity, there's little uh, diamond hardware with little tassels, guys. <laughs> it's so cute. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was fun to do. And actually, I found a lot of artwork and actually a wonderful vendor, a couple of vendors on Etsy where we did little felt animals that were up on the the room next to it sort of had a, a circus type, mm-hmm. circus safari type theme. So there were a lot of animals introduced in that space. So in the adjacent bathroom, we used a lot of the same things where it was like a little tiger. And I actually had um, the same tiger embroidered on towels. And it's just all the little elements to tie it Mm -hmm. all together. Little uh, drawings and everything were all in matching frames on the wall. It's hard to get everything photographed, but it's all there. You have even the back of the sconces have like a pink panel that Mm -hmm. matches the uh, the pink and white tile in the bathroom, and then yeah, and you have a little vanity tray that's that soft pale yep. pink. So again, you brought the pink and the green like in little details across the board, and it, it's just so great. And I think everyone should take a look because I oh, thank you. you. The other bathroom was good too, so <laughs> but I'm obviously love I love a pink and green, so I, yeah. I gravitated. Well, it's, but, um, like I love a pink and green too, but I don't want it to be super preppy and super pastel. So it was nice to bring in the darker green, and mm-hmm. you know, I agonize over colors quite a bit to find. <laughs> just the perfect color. So I have all sorts of paint decks here in my office. How do you do that with, because again, in paint decks, to your point, you could agonize about a paint color, but then, mm-hmm. I mean, you have the bedding, you have the stripe of the actual fabric that you've yep. done on the window seat, on the tent of the bed in that room. How do you um, get all of those to really work together? Samples. Samples are very Samples, samples, samples. Okay. Yep. Because if you don't, I mean, sometimes it's a guess and you cross your fingers and hope that when it arrives, it works. Sometimes mm-hmm. it does. And if it doesn't, hopefully they have a good return policy because you know, if you can't get samples. You have to just trust it. But right. yeah, I'll do a lot of that, whether it's actually working with vendors on custom colors or just making sure, you know, a lot of that bedding in that particular room with Serena and Lily. So vendors that actually have sample swatches, that's always helpful. Mm-hmm. When ordering fabrics, it's always very important to get a cutting for approval so you know exactly what you're getting. Anything you see on the, the internet, chances are the color's just wrong. Your computer screen is wrong mm-hmm. or the, you know, something's wrong. So as long as uh, you, you have to have that actual sample in your hand to make sure that it's going right. to work the way that you're expecting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the beauty to just retail stores, right? And yeah. having them in your area to go mm-hmm. and feel Absolutely. and touch. And, see the real color for sure too yeah i also with your kids rooms i 
wanted to speak to even the drapery because it seems like in all those rooms you do a lot of Roman shades. Is that on purpose or just fit the those rooms better? No, it's not necessarily on purpose. Oh, sometimes it's because it's necessary just based on the the layout of the room or where mm-hmm. the bedside tables are or certain things like that. But I, I definitely am aware that clients are very particular about how their kids sleep, whether they need blackout shades. Mm-hmm. So that's always a discussion <laughs> to have up front. So there's no surprises. And I don't get phone calls saying it's too light in here. So often what I'll do, <laughs> especially like little boys room, I think are, are good spots for Roman shades and it doesn't feel too feminine. But I like to do an outside mount Roman shade that's more decorative and then actually have a shade behind it that is doing its job, whether it's a blackout a white blackout shade or a woven shade that has a blackout lining and that way you're not you know if you have roman shades and you're pulling them up and pulling them down you have to make sure that everything's just right with the way that the pleats line up and everything so i often do it twofold and i'll do that with curtains too oftentimes you'll see curtains that i've installed that they might they might just be more decorative and you're Mm -hmm. while you can draw them across the windows chances are you're not and you have shades behind it oh my gosh i am I mean, not to make this about me, but I'm in a rental and mm-hmm. I just hung uh, drapery in my son's room only because I wasn't even going to do it in this house. We weren't going to be here long enough, but we are now. And his windows are cold because they're old and mm-hmm. they have. So I wanted to put up drapery because it's now cold. And yep. so to kind of keep just for that reason. Well, I tried to pull them the other day just and there was some rod, the last renters left. And I literally hung it like just shoved it on the rod in rod pocket. Yeah. Uh, tried to move it. You know, it doesn't move on yeah. that rod. Oh my gosh. So then the whole thing fell. And of course oh. it's like, bet, you know, and yeah. you're like, well now I'm, I'm so frustrated. I'm walking out of this room. <laughs> so it laid on the floor all day until nighttime when I was like, all right, go get the step stool, go fix it. Yeah. Um, but to your point, I'm, I'm not going to draw them. I can't, they don't move on the rod yeah. pocket. So it's nice when you've thought through, Again, I'm I'm so temporary that I'm not, I blame myself, but yes, it's good to note that having those double layers so you have that fullness and the look, and then having functionality as well is is really important. Yeah, so that's always a conversation I have with the clients right off the bat. We'll stand in the bedroom and I'll say, "All right, here are my laundry list of questions to ask you about how you live <laughs> your life, and do you need blackout in your bedroom?" Mm-hmm. And, do you want to draw the curtains? You know, all these different questions. Or do you hate the chain on the side of a shade? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has different opinions about certain things. So. How many people draw the curtains? I want to know that answer. Percentage. Very few, I would say. <laughs> okay. But there are those. But then you that. have to get into the whole thing. Well, if you do draw the curtains and you draw them frequently, then your hand, your finger oil yeah. get on the fabric. And then eventually that will start staining. So you need wands. Do you want wands? Are you going to use the wands? You know, the whole thing. <laughs> So what I'm hearing is, don't move up. It's really wasn't. Yeah, I love it. But if you want that dramatic curtain pull, you know, Ugh, yeah, the yes. big draw. Yeah. Yes. You also, um, I want to speak to some of your built-ins. It looks like in one of the children's room as well. Again, I I mm-hmm. studied that one just because it was such a fun part of your portfolio. But it looked like you had a day bed up against a window, like tucked in. But then underneath, it looked like there was a big long drawer. I'm assuming that was a day bed under, or sorry, a trundle underneath. Yes. Yep. So that smart. is for a room, a house up in Maine where sleeping. Everybody mm-hmm. needs a room. Everybody needs a sleepover space. Yes. Cousins live right next door. So it just had to maximize sleeping spots. So in that room, not only was a day bed actually bed size, that there was a trundle underneath it. So that custom millwork, uh-huh. and we measured, made sure that we knew exactly what the mattress was going to be in. And so it's always awesome. interesting to learn to make sure that the poles were big enough to actually pull the piece out. So, of course, <laughs> right. I'm like, here's the hardware I want to use. And they're like, no, no, we have to use this. So it's yeah. compromising. But You're like, Andrew, um, does that come yes. with a finish to really <laughs> yeah. go with that? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it does take a lot of strength to pull those out. So. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah. not to like wonky. You got to pull in the middle, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks it looks so custom and fantastic. And to your point, it's hidden. Other than I was like, oh, look at that. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I bet that's a trundle bed. Brilliant. <laughs> yep. I want to know more about your inspiration boards and mm-hmm. how you're pulling your inspiration boards for any room. And if there are kind of go to 
items or go-to paint colors or go-to things that you have? I always start with fabrics. I always have a love affair with certain fabrics and desperately want to use them. So I kind mm-hmm. of squirrel them away on my desk thinking, oh God, this is great. I have to scheme this out for a client, whether I have a particular client in mind or something comes up and I just think this is, this is great for this particular space. So I start with fabrics. Um, and I'll start with a, whether it's a floral or some sort of fun print as the starting point and then fill in the rest. I love to balance florals with plaids. I have mm. a whole huge bin in my office devoted to tweeds and plaids and everything like that, just because I do think that there needs to be a good a balance in a room so it's not all floral and feminine. I like to, uh, as I say to clients, I like to butch it up a bit. <laughs> Uh, so you'll see it kind of it kind of grounds all the flowers yeah Yeah. um so I start with schemes and I make sure it all has it has the layered components that I like and make sure that each fabric has a home because it's all well and good if you put a whole bunch of fabrics on a board but you have to figure out what's going on what they actually go and what the details are (laughs) so that takes a long time actually I agonize over oh I'm gonna mix it around and so that's where I start with and then I fill in the furniture Unless there's a specific piece in mind that I'm thinking initially. But, you know, I'll pull it all together for the boards and find the metal finishes. And I do a lot with custom color. So I'll, as I said before, agonize over the paint decks and find the right one, get samples and have everything together and make sure it all works nicely. They're so cute. For anyone listening, you have to go look at her website. Um, I just love that instead of your projects to come, have your mm-hmm. little inspiration board image. And I thought that was so darling. And they're, and they're so great to look at, too. I definitely was inspired and I don't know where it's going, but I'm excited <laughs> to see <Yeah>. it. <laughs> when you're gathering all of these fabrics together and you're trying to trying to figure out like scale and proportion, what are you thinking about when... If you've got a sofa and two chairs, what are you thinking about in terms of like scale for the fabrics that you're choosing? Yeah, well, especially with young families, one of the big things is talking about durability on on pieces. So especially sofas, I like to propose whether it's an outdoor fabric that's super durable or something that's been treated like a Krypton fabric. I start with that as a base. So oftentimes, unless there's a really fabulous floral or something like that for those pieces. I'll start with that as a a neutral and really layer in with pillows, the fun patterns and textures and everything like that. But even performance fabrics are getting really They are, yes. And so, uh, (laughs) yeah, no, there's absolutely, yeah, uh, it's so nice to have this, this range of patterns and colors and everything. So, and then usually I'll, I'll save fun, big patterns and colors for chairs, something that has some wood elements to it, just so it's not like a shockingly large piece of upholstery with a big pattern on it. Although some clients do gravitate towards that and love that. So I I certainly wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't shy away from that. But usually when I start off, it's, I ground the room in some some sort of solid that definitely has texture to it. You know, I don't want it just to be a solid, plain fabric, but then I add in lots, lots and lots of little layers. And then when, when you're talking about custom colors, how are you creating these custom colors? Uh, Well, it's not necessarily that I'm creating them. Sometimes I do. I mean, sometimes I say, oh, let's take this paint color and half it, working with the painter and basically doing 50% of the color. Mm -hmm. They add whiten to lighten it wait so i can say that to my painter yeah cut it by 25 percent. cut it by 50 percent. so there's there's oh. a color that i used for my own dining room that it's on it's on the trim and it i was trying to match it exactly to the wallpaper that i was using so i found the fairwind ball lulu worth blue but it was just too strong for the wallpaper so mm-hmm. we just cut it down a bit so it's the same color it's just lightened because you can take out a paint deck and see the next color down. Well, right. chances are sometimes that just doesn't work. So yeah, you can you can create your own colors. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that's so that's brilliant. Right. So I do do I do do a lot of that, but when I mostly when I talk about custom colors, using products that can be done in a custom color. So I have sources where I order beds that I can pick a paint color and they can do it in whatever color I want, or uh, vendors for light fixtures that we can add fun color elements to it and just say, you know, I want that backplate. The the sconces you were talking about mm-hmm. for the bathroom, 
or Urban Electric, and they're great because you can just basically pick any rainbow of color and they'll do it. Yeah. That's really cool. Anything where you can add your own touch Mm -hmm. really helps people to feel like, you know, I've made this space my own. So um, those are great tips and tricks, I think. So you don't have to be a designer to do any of that. You just have to have an eye for color or a love of color and say, this is my, this is my blue. This is the blue color I love. And I want to use this on this particular piece Mm -hmm. and it can be done. Man, I love that. I had a favorite blue growing up. I can tell you what the name of it is. I can't tell you the brand, but it was Beach Bike Blue. And it was like, definitely. Sounds like a good name. Oh, I I painted everything I could in it. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are coming up or and or in. I don't know when this is launching, but into the holidays. So with the holidays in mind, I was wondering what you do to decorate your home. Well, I use a lot of family holiday decorations that have been passed Mm -hmm. down over generations, both from my mom's side and my dad's side. So old Christmas ornaments. Mm -hmm. I will, you know, put greenery on fireplace mantles and layer in um, these wonderful old silk ornaments that I have from my grandmother that are my favorite saffron orange color. And Mm. so they sort of pop and work with the rest of the room that they're in. I love a well-decorated Christmas tree. It's always an argument between my husband and I. I love a lot of, I love white lights, which luckily he appreciates as well. Mm-hmm. But um, we always get an argument because I'll start putting the, you know, the glass Christmas balls well into the tree. So they sort of glimmer and then uh-huh. try and put all of the ornaments that we have on the tree. Um, so it's always an argument about how many ornaments I get to put on the tree. And at this point <laughs> in time, what ornaments go on the top versus the bottom? Because chances are our three-year-old is going to knock it off. And Right. Right. <laughs> but a, a lot of greenery. I love okay. to wear. What kind in. of greenery? Just straight up your usual Christmas tree trimmings or do you do... Yeah, I do magnolia on the mantles and sometimes our banister. And then exterior is all, you know, we have wreaths up. We actually have a big fence around our house. So we try and hang wreaths on every single post. Love that. We are very lucky. We have um, the store terrain nearby. So I always go there at either the beginning or the end of the Christmas season. Often it's become a thing where I go at the end and I find all the, the good Christmas deals for next year, but I love finding new Christmas lights. We'll put the little candle lights in every window of our house. We have a very old New England style looking house. So, Uh, um, the dream. Yeah. Um, But I always try and make notes of what I did last year. So I'll remember, okay, we need this many wreaths outside (laughs) and we need this size big wreath (laughs) above our garage. And I always think I have it all down pat and then ask me now and I have no idea what we need to get. But we'll do it. <laughs> so when do you start? When do you start decorating? Like, I would say not right after Thanksgiving. It's sort of a gradual pickup through, you know, beginning of December. But I'm not the one that's like out there hanging everything Friday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> In fact, embarrassingly, we still have some Christmas, I mean, some Halloween decorations still out front we have to get on that. Well, is it the transitional ones where it's a pumpkin? You're we have totally pumpkins, fine. but then, you know, we took down all of the, like, more Halloween decorative ones, but there is a skeleton that's just hanging out up front. We <laughs> <laughs> need to be put away. Put that said, or put a Santa hat yeah, on them at yeah, this point, Yeah, I think maybe we'll keep them throughout the season, you know? I think everybody's like, whatever, whatever works. Whatever yeah, my, works for you. My husband's traveling right now, so I think maybe we'll take him in and hang him in his closet or something to give him a good scare, a post-Halloween yeah. scare. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> um, okay, what about entertaining? With family coming in town, do you have any um, tips and tricks for your home to get it ready um, for a guest? Um, yeah, I love, same with how I design a room, how I decorate a table is a lot of layers and colors and using different mixing and matching. I have a lot of fun tablecloths that I'll use. I have lots of old family pieces, whether they're silver or candlesticks, silverware. Uh, I'll change, mix and match different plates with placemats. I love just to make it feel unique and special and not that you open some sort of tabletop catalog and it screams that we designed it just from that. Um, Right. Same goes with flowers. My 
what I love to do is just go to a local wholesaler or just a, you know, a, a floral shop that um, carries just flowers in bunches and really create my own tablescapes. Not to offend anybody, but one of the things that I love is when flower arrangements on the table just are sort of a backdrop. It's more about the whole, um, you know, the whole look of the table. And it's not that you have these big floral arrangements that are the focal points. I love bringing in, I have all these different little vases and vessels, and I sort of put them all around the table and mix in different flowers, whether they're all the same kind or peppering in different flower arrangements in different places. Mm -hmm. I find you do, you need to have um, the smaller, like to your point, smaller vessels for florals Mm -hmm. when you're doing a big table that you want to actually talk to people. Because if you do like a a big thing, you're like, excuse me, can you move this? And then you have to move it as part of your table. So yes, that's a good tip or trick before the holiday season for y'all to start collecting your little vessels. Yeah. Yeah. So I do a lot of that. Also, um, growing up, my mom would do her own um, floral arrangements. So not to bash what she did, because she did it in such a beautiful way. She would find a low vessel that was something that she had, whether it was a family piece, you know, just sort of a, a shallow dish with she put in the oasis and mm-hmm. do it all right there and it was so fun to watch her and she was so good at it and it wasn't this huge massive piece in the center of the table that you couldn't talk over mm-hmm. um, and it really looked like you know she had put it together herself and she had done it well it mm-hmm. wasn't you know it was just delivered from the florist this morning right which is probably also why it's a pet peeve of yours because you're like yeah yeah like grow you know if you grow up with it too you're like yeah you can tell a difference mom can do it yeah. <laughs> everybody should do it I, yeah. I learned what oasis was from a very young age and i remember going sticking my finger in it all the time i know does anyone does anyone use oasis now you think i think so yeah yeah i didn't know if i mean i try to do the floral tape and the floral frogs mm-hmm. just because i've heard it's better but <laughs> for the earth excuse me but oasis does <laughs> yeah. work really well so i get why you use it that sounds good i do a lot of floral tapes that's i have these big straw baskets that i use for a lot of my floral arrangements that i have glass bases inside uh-huh. and then i'll Love. use the tape on that mm. yeah and then you just put a grid on top right mm-hmm. like a, of the tape yep. see and just in case someone listening is like, what are, what are they talking about floral tape? <laughs> yes, no, that that's a good one. Now, for your guest rooms, is there anything you always make sure is in there for your guest? Clean linens, for sure. Uh, <laughs> towels. You don't leave them dirty. <laughs> it's good for um, the basics. Uh, yeah, the basics. But also, you know, we have a in our guest room, we actually have a, a desk right there. So it's a nice spot for uh, a writing table to sort of make themselves at home. We try and have nice soaps and if we think about it, water pitcher and everything like that in the rooms. But I can't say I, I go crazy trying to make my guests feel. I mean, I want them to feel at home for sure, but maybe I need to be a better hostess in some no. regards to have no, the, no. you know, with the with their favorite books lying out and magazines mm. and everything like that. But yeah, you. I'm sure you are a gracious host. Your guests can t- contact us directly to make sure we bring this up. <laughs> oh, no, I always do put flowers in the guest room, that's for sure. Absolutely. I would love that, too, though. Anytime I've stayed anywhere, fresh flowers always make the room yeah. feel special. So, I think it's time to get onto a decorating dilemma. Okay. Yes, will you help us? I will try. I am sure you'll do a better job than this <laughs> and I. Sarah in South Jersey by way of Philly. She wrote us a really long one. So let me start. Okay. Hi, Ballard Design podcast team. First and foremost, I love your podcast. I look forward to it every week. And it almost feels like chatting with friends over coffee. In fact, I always tell my friends they should listen too. Oh, and over coffee or wine, whatever. (laughs) I'm writing with a decorating dilemma I'm hoping you can help me with. My family and I moved out of Philadelphia and into our current suburban home two weeks ago. And I'm struggling with a decision for a floor plan and decor in the... 27 foot by 14 foot family room, which will be our main family hangout TV entertaining space. The home is 95 years old and I want to maintain its soul and character while adding a fresh contemporary touch and making it functional for us and our three-year-old and one-year-old. When you walk into the room, the opposite wall has a brick fireplace and window pane doors on either side leading to an enclosed breezeway 
we're using as an office mudroom. I'm contemplating putting a TV over the fireplace, but for now have the TV in the far left corner due to wires, the cable box, ETC. I was thinking of doing a sectional, which my husband wants, in a performance velvet with a clean line structure in the front of the fireplace, sort of mimicking where we currently have our old sofa and settee place and adding an area rug under the large piece. Then maybe a gallery wall of travel photos and art and family photos on the wall opposite the fireplace, behind where the sofa currently is located. If I place the TV over the fireplace, we could put something different on the left corner of the room, maybe the settee over there with a small cafe table for coffee and reading. That area of the room feels far from the main seating area, so I'm thinking of perhaps adding a smaller area rug over there, but could use your guidance. I'd also like to retire the former owner's red window coverings to get some new contemporary window hardware in either brass or matte black and hang curtains high above the window frames and repaint the room. I love when they've learned. She knows. She's like, by the way, I am going to fix where they're placed. (laughs) For the two windows on the right wall of the room, I'm thinking I need something between them. Should I do a mirror or instead put a bookcase there? (laughs) The placement of the radiators in the room is throwing me off. And she writes, okay, that's a lot. So here's my summary of questions. (laughs) One, do you have any suggestions on an overall floor plan, especially related to seating and rugs throughout the room? Two, should I bite the bullet and put the TV over the fireplace? And should I paint the fireplace white or some other shade and get a new fireplace cover? Three, any suggestions on window treatment and hardware and placement? Four, between the windows on the far right wall, should I do a bookcase or a mirror? And then she asked maybe our Louis mirror. And then five, lighting. I can't decide if I should keep this possibly original ceiling light fixture or swap it out for something more fresh and modern. And I can't decide what style accent lamps I should look for. Any thoughts? And then she said to please ignore the current styling of the room. <laughs> and so she doesn't want us to call us out, call her out on any of that, which I appreciate. Okay. The room looks really cute. I mean, she's been there for two weeks and she's already got everything kind of positioned to start trying some things out. So I'm excited to see what you have to say, Chauncey. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great space and it certainly has a lot of potential, but I understand the dilemma. You know, it's it's a tricky space with the door placements and uh, certainly the radiator locations aren't doing her any favors. I could start out with the easy question uh, (laughs) and say definitely replace the curtains and hang those rods as high as you want. If you want a dramatic effect, you could hang them right below the crown or slightly lower, sort of halfway between the window casing and the crown is a good spot. Again, this goes back to our talk about whether these curtains can be drawn or Mm -hmm. not. The radiator covers are going to cause an issue with this. So I think for the bigger window, you can definitely do a pair of curtains there. You might not be able to draw them with the with the radiator there. So that could be a, a good spot for layering either a woven shade behind it, uh, a solar shade, depending on what sort of light you want to block in there. And then the, with the other pair of windows, again, there's a tricky spot location of the radiator. So if there is space to put curtains behind it, great. I would put a pair on both of those windows, if not a pair of uh, outside mounted Roman shades, I think would serve well. And you could sort of hang them as high as you would the curtain rods on the other side, just to keep it all around the same height. So that was an easy question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then she talked about finish too. So I I don't think you can go wrong with either black or brass. Mm -hmm. It all depends on the other finishes that you want to use in the room, but I love mixing finishes. Um, So you can mix. Sometimes I even do black rods with brass ring, which is really fun. How about maybe this is an easy question. Maybe it's not. But this uh, lighting, should she keep this original, which might be an original light fixture right directly in the center of the room? And it looks like that's the only lighting in there. Yeah, what I would do is layer in a lot of table lamps, you know, side table lamps and floor lamps. I would keep those classic feeling, nothing too contemporary. I would keep the table and floor lamps classic. And then my recommendation would be to replace that ceiling fixture with something a little bit, not modern, but something that feels a little bit more contemporary space. Okay, fireplace screen. I'm I'm a yes. Yes, yes. that's that's easy. And I like the one from Suzanne Kassler that you all yes. have. So I think that's a good option. You just need, yeah, it's a beautiful brick fireplace. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, 
why not celebrate that and make it something simple that you're not looking at the screen? Yeah, or even like a whitewash to the brick would be pretty. So it's not, you know, a solid oh, white. Oh, she did ask that. Mm-hmm. That could be an attractive mm-hmm. way to brighten it up. Okay, what about a performance velvet sectional if this is her TV room? Well, so that was my big question. What is mm. this room being used for? Are there other rooms in the house that can be used for TV watching? Because it does feel like such a large space that it's not one that I would think of as a cozy place to curl up and watch a movie. So if there is another room that serves as a primary TV watching space, then I would, in this case, make the TV in this room more secondary and find another location instead of over the fireplace. But if this is the only room that they're really watching TV, then you might have to suck it up and make it comfortable for what what you're using it for. I will definitely use sectionals from time to time for clients, but often what I like to do is a sofa with a pair of chairs, or you could there's even space to do two pairs of chairs, or it could be a sofa that has a chaise component, so it's not a whole l-shaped wall of furniture Mm -hmm. but going back to the question is what are you using this space for is this a space that you're going to be entertaining in is this a space that really has to do a number of jobs or is this really just a we're watching tv in the space so you know there's certainly solutions for this space as to how to divide it up one would be having the tv instead of on the above the mantle have it a pair of sofas flanking the fireplace and then having the TV on the opposite wall so you can still watch the TV from these sofas, but it doesn't have to dictate the whole room. Mm -hmm. And then creating other seating areas and, as she said, cafe table and everything like that on either side of the room. Another way to handle a room this size is to sort of divide it with sofas back to back right in front of the fireplace. Mm -hmm. But that's a question of how are you using this room and are you using the fireplace often? Do you want to sit in front of the fire or is this a fireplace that's never really going to be used? So if you have two sofas back to back dividing the room, it doesn't really create too much of an issue. That way you're creating multiple different seating spaces. So it feels a little bit cozier and that each place serves a purpose. Let me see what other questions she had. So, I mean, she does definitely speak to this as like family hangout. So, yeah. yeah. I kind of like the idea of what you were saying, putting two sofas and then the TV across from the fireplace. Because mm-hmm. then you can have it at a decent height and you're not straining your neck, like looking up over the fireplace. Yeah. And, and then you get kind of dual purpose. So in the winter, you can look at the fireplace and then you can turn and look at the, yeah. look at the TV. Uh, and there's space. And the other thing, too, is with those two doors going out to the mudroom, something to note is that you don't have to use both of those doors. Right. right. One could be like the main means of getting into that room. And the other one, maybe that there's a easily movable, movable chair in front of it mm-hmm. that you can utilize mm-hmm. that space and not have to make it like big thoroughfare. No, I, I totally agree with that because it looks like you come into this long rectangle room mm-hmm. like we're speaking to. And, you know, if you... The fireplace is in the middle, so you, you're kind of stuck, to your point, splitting the room in some form or fashion. And she kind of speaks to wanting to because she kind of was having a little corner to coffee and read, which I appreciate that with a three- and one-year-old, yeah. she's coffee and reading. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's what she wants, she should make it happen. But it does look like, it, again, if you kind of nuzzle up to the fireplace, you could potentially do a little kind of chair table moment too but I imagine if it's your entertainment where you're hanging out you'd also she's she needs some like kids storage because you're probably gonna have toys dragged into this room if yep. this mm-hmm. is literally your tv hangout space and I know the question was where where to put a bookcase I think that the space between the two windows I think would be a great spot for either a mirror or a piece of art with a chest below it and wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily use that spot for a bookcase just because it is such a focal point when you're looking into mm-hmm. the room. Um, but there's certainly other corners of the room that can be utilized for bookcases, especially if these bookcases are going to be filled with toys and kids' books and things like that. Yeah, don't use a bookcase, girl. Hide that <laughs> stuff. Okay, so we talked about lighting. What about rugs? It depends on how this, again, how it's going to be laid out. You know, one solution could be to do a broadloom rug that's cut sort of around 
space so that you have the flexibility of rearranging furniture if you want, or it doesn't, you're not locked into a, a traditional rug size that you have to put, make sure that fits everything. So that could be one option. Or, you know, if you are creating these smaller seating areas, like a smaller round or even oval rug to mix and match with more of a traditional rectangle rug would work well, like under the where the cafe table would be. Um, she doesn't want to lose any of the charm of this old room. So, I mean, she's got even pretty floors. Did you see the little molding yeah. around the fireplace too, the inlay? So pretty. I think you're going to be golden. New drapes, some new new sofa. Mm. And then like, I, I mean, like Chauncey said, don't use both doors if you don't have to, to that back room, which will allow you more flexibility of the playing with your layout. And if you do go with a large sectional sofa, I think it's smart, you know, the performance velvet is certainly mm-hmm. a good option. One recommendation I have is if you're doing a, a sectional, try and do one with a tight back. If this room is getting used as both a formal and functional family space, a tight back sofa won't look like your kids jumped all over it all the time. Brilliant. That is awesome. Yeah. Where were you when I picked out a sofa? I mean, <laughs> brilliant. Just a trick so that yeah. you're not fluffing the back of your sofa cushions all day. Because <laughs> yes. I have kids that jump all over everything. So. Mm-hmm. And the tight back does actually look, yeah, yeah. pretty um, informal. Well. But she did say her husband wanted the sectional, so maybe maybe she'll be back to you. Like you said, maybe she'll go with sofa and a few chairs instead. You go with what you love, which you can use. <laughs> but it is a beautiful room. Yes. Yeah, congrats on the house, and thank you for yes. writing us and listening. Well, Chauncey, can you tell everybody where they can find you and follow you and watch all your good work? Yes. Well, you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is Chauncey Boothby Interiors. And you can find me on on the web at chaunceyboothby.com. And I look forward to seeing you all reaching out. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. This is great. Thank you so, so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor to be part of such a great group of designers and architects and everybody you know that you have that you speak with. So it was just so special to be well, part of it all. we'd would have liked to do it in person uh being up your way this time of year would have been lovely <laughs> next <Yeah>. time <laughs> yeah we could have gone yes, to next terrain time. the fall up here is yeah. beautiful oh. exactly getting all your christmas <sighs> decorations i wish mm. <laughs> until then i guess i'll shop online but it was so great to meet you and yeah. thank you so much for your time well nice to meet you too thank you and that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.